the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to that show hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast. I'm your host, Nick DiGilio. I'm a podcaster, comedy writer, and performer, graduate of Second City, and a Saturday Night Live expert and historian. Each week, we will look back at everything SNL, the best, the worst, the good, the bad, the classic, the forgotten. We'll talk about full seasons and full casts, behind-the-scenes stories, episodes, sketches, SNL's historical significance, and much, much more. Sometimes I'll have guests, sometimes I won't, but with every episode, I will always prove that that tired cliche of that show hasn't been funny in years is absolutely wrong. All right, this is episode number nine, and it's called Rejected by SNL, part one. Um, you know, you probably know this already, but a lot of really amazingly talented people who went on to have incredibly successful careers in television, in movies, in the world of comedy, some unbelievably funny people have auditioned for SNL in the past and got snubbed and got, nah, nah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna hire you. Uh, there are interesting stories behind, uh, many of them. And uh, the list of talent uh, that has been rejected in the past by SNL, by Lauren Michaels, sometimes not by Lauren Michaels, sometimes by people who are scouting uh, different comedy groups and improv troops and, uh, and things like that. Uh, it's, it's amazing the list of people who did not make it onto SNL, who wanted to make it. Some people auditioned once, some people didn't audition, but were considered to be writers and they each have a different story. And some people auditioned several times and never got in. Um, and uh, the, the list of, uh, you know, the, the incredibly talented people who got rejected by SNL is kind of stunning when you look back at it, considering how successful um, some of them turned out to be um, and how influential and how they went way, way, way beyond, you know, just a gig for a few years on Saturday Night Live. But it meant a lot to them, and that's the one common thread uh, that, we'll, uh, that, we'll, that we'll discover as, uh, as I talk about these rejected uh, talents. Um, this is part one, because there are so many <laughs> incredibly talented and very funny people that didn't get picked by SNL that it's going to take a couple of episodes, maybe three, uh, to, to get you know the, the massive amount of, of people in uh, to these shows. So uh, we're going to talk about 10 on this episode. Um, and that again, and that's, you know, there's probably 30, over 30 really well-known, famous, talented comedians and talented actors and actresses who didn't make it on SNL. But these are the 10 that uh, I've chosen for this episode, episode number nine, uh, this portion of Rejected by SNL. And I thought we'd start out with a really huge name, a name that doesn't get much bigger in the world of comedy, in the world of television, and of course, dominating in the world of film as well. Jim Carrey, 
um, arguably one of the biggest and funniest talents in the history of comedy uh, and film, did not make it onto SNL, and he was rejected multiple times. It wasn't just once. So, you know, and there's a message here. There's a message for people out there who are auditioning. And I know I know a lot of actors and people in the world of comedy and the people in the world of improv, my my cohorts that I've worked with over the years uh, here in Chicago and elsewhere, uh, that the whole audition process or getting your first big gig or auditioning for, you know, the main stage at Second City or for a really great paying gig on television or a really cool gig in theater and you don't get it. Um just realize that it's happened to much bigger names than you and me. <laughs> and Jim Carrey doesn't get bigger. Jim Carrey uh, was one of the first guys in the world of comedy to make $20 million for a movie. Uh, and there was a period of time in the mid slash late 90s where the guy was making millions and millions and millions of dollars a day. And his movies, there was a stretch of time in the mid 90s where Every time Jim Carrey released a movie, it would be number one at the box office. And we all know that. And it started with Ace Ventura and continued with, you know, things like Dumb and Dumber and Liar, Liar. Uh, and it just it was it was an unbelievable the mask. It was an unbelievable onslaught of Jim Carrey just bursting onto the scene. We kind of knew him. You know, we saw him. We remembered him from doing stand up and some, te- you know, and some talk show appearances here and there. And of course, he was the quote unquote white guy on In Living Color who did all the weird characters and the weird imitations. And then out of nowhere, this weird film, Ace Ventura, which I remember the first time I saw Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, um, I went to the critic screening of it, and I honestly thought it was going to be a kid's movie. I thought, oh, it's Jim Carrey, and I like Jim Carrey. I thought Jim Carrey, I always thought Jim Carrey was funny. Even before he got on SNL, he was in a movie called Once Bitten, which was a vampire comedy. He had done movies here and there. He was in Peggy Sue Got Married. Um, and I remember him from those smaller parts in movies. I also remember him from his stand-up and his impressions. I always thought he was a very funny guy. And I remember seeing the commercials for Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and I was like, oh, this is going to be funny. It's a kid's movie. And I thought, oh, yeah, this is a kid's movie. It'll be great. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, he can talk to animals, and he can, he's going to solve a crime. And then, like, five minutes in, he's getting a blowjob uh, in the first five minutes of the movie. And then we all know how insane and tasteless it's gotten. And, and, and now, as we look back at it, pretty incredibly transphobic. Um, uh, you know, uh, transphobic uh, with the character that Sean Young plays. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's and now you look back at it and you kind of wince, but I still think Ace Ventura is one of the funniest movies ever. Um, and that was the movie that really took off for him. But the twenty million dollar man, uh, he was rejected by SNL more than once, and this is what they said: his the first time was in nineteen eighty. Um, Lauren Michaels took that year off; he wasn't there, so Gene Demanian was you know looking for people. He auditioned then, no, it didn't work out. Um, and so instead of, uh, Jim Carrey, (laughs) instead of Jim Carrey, they hired Charles Rocket. So think about that for a moment. Charles Rocket, who, um, has since uh, passed away, the late Charles Rocket, uh, who was the update anchor that year and who famously got canned, not canned, but said fuck on the air, uh, during a, a, a wacky, during good nights, during one of the good nights of an episode where he was Jr. This is how long ago it was. They did a who shot Jr. bit. And uh, Charles Rocket was hit on the head during that sketch. And at the end, dropped an F-bomb and claims that he, was, he didn't know what he was saying. Uh, Charles Rocket, by the way, who also would appear in a couple of Jim Carrey movies. So Charles Rocket was chosen instead of Jim Carrey, which is an odd, uh, an odd choice to say the very least. And, uh, you know, and Jim Carrey did not get chosen, but that's not the first time. Um, 
and he auditioned multiple times. Lorne Michaels said that he uh, wasn't there for the auditions. Jim Carrey never auditioned for me, Lorne Michaels said. There's an audition tape which we played on our 25th anniversary show, and if he had come that night, we would have, ta- we would have gotten him. Uh, we have all the audition tapes. Carey auditioned for Al Franken the year that I was just executive producer, and Tom Davis and Al were the producers along with Jim Downey. And then in 85, Brandon uh, Tartikoff got me to come back, and his whole argument was that I'd learn how to delegate. So uh, Tom, Al, and Jim did their stuff without me being there. And so basically, he's blaming uh, Al and, uh, Fra- and, 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 uh, and Tom Davis, Al Franken and Tom Davis, for not hiring him. Uh, <laughs> and these, this group of people, by the way, uh, the Al Franken and Tom Davis and some of the other Jim Downey and those guys who were doing a lot more auditioning, you know, uh, than, than, uh, than Lauren, who was not doing it firsthand. They're responsible for, I think, one, five of the other people that didn't get hired. Uh, or at least that's what Lauren is saying. Lauren is blaming other people. He's blaming Tom Davis and Al Franken and Jim Downey for not hiring some significantly talented people. Uh, but yeah, so Jim Carrey had an audition uh, that he did. And here's a little piece of it. This is his audition tape. Uh, this is Jim Carrey's audition. from the. I think this was the first time he auditioned or the second time he auditioned. Second time he auditioned. Um, and in it, he does like a, uh, a deformed Elvis Presley routine. And this is how far back it goes. One of his, uh, one of his uh, impressions that he does here is Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn from On Golden Pond. So that's how long ago this audition was. And this is, I think, the second. This is the second one. So here's a little bit of Jim Carrey's second audition tape uh, from way back in the 80s when he got rejected. My name is Jim Carrey, and uh, this is my Saturday Night Live audition. Forget that crap. Get on with the stuff that got you expelled. That's when I had to bring out the big guns. People like post-nuclear Elvis. You can do it like my half of the English way cheese. My dear. Made a pick strawberries. I'm not sure know how to pick strawberries. It's very simple, Norman. You just bend over and pick them. I hope you're ready to massage my bed back tonight. So that's uh, Jim Carrey doing uh, uh, the imitation. And again, visually, he is, uh, he's, got sung- he's got the glasses on and the fishing hat when he's doing uh, Henry Fonda from the movie. Uh, and he's, of course, you know, distorting his face. Uh, and the post-nuclear Elvis, uh, he tucked his, hand- uh, his arms inside his shirt to make his hands stick out a little bit of his short sleeve shirt so it looked like his, hand- his arms were really, tin- you know, really tiny and sort of like uh, uh, affected by a nuclear blast. Uh, and it was original and funny and weird. And obviously, as you can tell, there was laughter in the uh, in the room when he did the audition, but he didn't get the gig. Um, so <laughs> and he tells this story. He was on uh, David Spade's Comedy Central show about a, a, a bunch of years ago, a few years ago, actually, uh, probably five, five, six years ago. He was on David Spade's show uh, talking about, um, you know, when he went to audition, one of the times he went to audition. This was out in L.A. when they were holding auditions in L.A. Uh, and when he got to, when he got there to audition, it didn't look, you know, the signs were not good. 
And here's the story. Did audition for SNL. And I, I don't know if you've heard the story, but I but I I got out at NBC in the Valley, and they uh, and I was like, gosh, I hope this is a lucky day for me. I walked out of my car, closed the door, and I heard, "Don't do it, don't jump," <laughs> like that. And I looked up at the top of NBC building, and Shut there was the a page in a blue coat trying to get his nerve up, standing on the NBC logo, get, trying to get his nerve up to jump off. And I went, not a good sign. <laughs> not a good sign. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Lauren and I still have a running thing where he's like, uh, oh, it was, it was Franken. <laughs> well, Franken put the kibosh on Yeah. So there it is. Again, once again, uh, Lauren Michaels, even with Jim Carrey now at this point, now that they're friends and he's appeared on the show several times, blames Al Franken and, uh, and has done so for several of the people that I will be talking about. Uh, and I, I want to give you the, uh, the rundown on uh, the relationship that these people who get rejected have with SNL and how many times they've hosted or if they've hosted at all. So Jim Carrey hosted three times, May 18th, 1996, season 21, episode 20, with Soundgarden as a musical guest. He hosted on January 8th, 2011, which was season 36, episode 11, with the Black Keys as the musical guest. And October 25th, 2014, which was season 40, episode 4, with uh, Iggy Azalea as your musical guest. Uh, he has shown up on anniversary shows for Celebrity uh, Jeopardy, where he played Matthew McConaughey and a couple of other things. And um, he had a cameo in February of 2003 when the Foo Fighters uh, were, uh, were, were the musical guest. He made a cameo during their during their musical segment. And uh, for a stretch on season 46, uh, he played Joe Biden for about six weeks. He came in and played Joe Biden and then uh, left uh, after that. So uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good. You know, obviously the guy went on to an incredible, you know, successful career to this day. Um, uh, but yeah, he did come back and host three times. All right, next on the rejected by SNL uh, list, Steve Carell, uh, who spent a significant amount of time right here in Chicago, uh, at Second City. He was with Second City from around 1991 to 1994. He did one ETC show. Uh, he did uh, five main stage shows. While he was here in Chicago at Second City, uh, he met Nancy Walls, who, um, who would become his wife, who, by the way, uh, auditioned uh, at the same time that Steve Carell did for SNL. She got the gig. He didn't. So Nancy Walls actually got hired, and he did not. Um, uh, and he most famously, one of the most weirdly, here's one of the most famous things he's known for, one of the things he's known for while, you know, his, his five, six years here in Chicago at Second City, you know, on the main stage in ETC, and he did Turco and worked there and stuff like that. But one of the main re recurring characters that he played, he played Fabio. Uh, yes, the, 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 the male, you know, model, the guy who got, uh, was on a roller coaster and got smashed in the face with a bird. That guy. One of Steve Carell's most famous recurring characters on the stage here in Chicago at Second City was Fabio. Now, I know that sounds weird, but it's true. Uh, 1995 was when he married um, Nancy Walls, uh, and then they auditioned for SNL. She got it, and, 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 uh, and, and, and he didn't. Um, and, of course, Steve Carell went on to be a household name. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so that's Steve Carell. Uh, and not only, you know, here are, here are his... Uh, contributions to SNL. He has hosted three times. Steve Carell has hosted three times. October 1st, 2005, which was season 31, episode one, where Kanye West was the musical guest. He hosted on May 17th, 2008, season 33, episode 12, Usher was your musical guest. And then on November 17th, 2018, 
season 44, episode 6, where the LMI was the uh, musical guest. And he is also Gary, one of the uh, famous ambiguously gay duo. Uh, ambiguously gay duo, Robert Smigel, part of Robert Smigel's uh, Saturday, uh, uh, Saturday Evening Funhouse. Um, the ambiguously gay duo, classic animated uh, uh, Smigel uh, uh, shorts that were part of SNL for many years. And then they did, you know, during during an anniversary show, they did the live action version of it. But the voices of the ambiguously gay duo were voiced by two people who, in fact, were rejected by SNL. And one of them being Steve Carell. Steve Carell was the voice of Gary on the ambiguously gay duo. So he hosted three times and he was one of the ambiguously gay duo. So that's Steve Carell. Uh, next on the list of rejected by SNL, Donald Glover. Donald Glover, who I think is... One of the most brilliant people on the planet. He is um, a writer, a director, a stand-up comedian, uh, a, a, an actor, an incredible musician, unbelievable rapper, a glorious hip-hop artist, um, with you know, also known as uh, Childish Gambino, who is the creator of one of the greatest shows in the history of television, Atlanta, a perfect television show, incredibly experimental, one of the most um, unusual and bravest television shows, uh, most creative and jarringly original pieces of television you'll ever see. Atlanta, for my money, uh, if you've never seen Atlanta, you don't know what you're missing. Um, it's available on uh, Hulu and FX and all that stuff. It is, without question, one of the greatest television shows in the history of the medium and one of the most creative and craziest uh, shows of all time. And it showed off what an enormous talent it talent that uh, that Dan, that Donald Glover is both in front of and behind the camera and yet he was rejected a couple of times uh from <laughs> from uh, SNL uh he was on community uh you know he obviously that was the first thing that re- where he really took off he was in community um and he was employed as a writer and an occasional actor on 30 Rock so Tina Fey actually hired him to be a writer on 30 Rock and then every once in a while he would appear on the show uh, and he auditioned once and got, and, you know, got rejected. But then he auditioned in the 2007-2008 season to play Barack Obama. And he did not get it, he, although he was a writer. He was working with Tina Fey at the time, who was not with the show uh, at, at that point. She came back just to do Sarah Palin, but she was not head writer. She was not behind the scenes or anything like that at that point. She was uh, doing 30 Rock. But again, you know, like if you know Tina Fey, that's kind of a good in if you're going to audition for SNL, if you're working for Tina Fey. But he didn't get the gig, and he didn't get the gig as a, a recurring, you know, featured player to 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 play Obama. That went to Fred Armisen. Yeah, yeah. If you remember correctly, Fred Armisen, who's white, uh, played uh, played Obama uh, on the uh, on the show, uh, and and Donald Glover didn't get it. Uh, and uh, he did come back. And I'll give you his rundown. He hosted only one time. So uh, Donald Glover did host once. It was May 15, 2018, season 43, episode 19. And he was the musical guest as well, Childish Gambino. And by the way, that is a great episode. If you go back to season 43, episode 19, uh, a great episode. The writing was solid that night. I remember Update being great. And he was great as the guest, funny in sketches. And of course, Childish Gambino, uh, what can you say? Uh, And he performed, one of the two songs he performed was This Is America, which is, you know, uh, astonishing. So a great, uh, a great uh, episode. But here's Donald Glover's monologue of that episode of that night, May 15, 2018. Donald Glover's monologue where he actually talks a little bit, not just a little bit, but basically the entire monologue uh, is about him, you know, auditioning and not getting the gig as he walks from, you know, cast member to cast member talking about 
getting uh, getting canned or not, you know, just rejected by SNL. But it truly is an honor to be hosting SNL, you know, instead of just auditioning for it, which I did twice. <laughs> That's not a joke. I'm just still pissed. <laughs> but it all kind of worked out for me. I was on a show called Community, and I played... <laughs> I played Lando Calrissian in the new Star Wars movie, Solo. <laughs> and if you're black, I made Atlanta and Redbone. A lot of black people in here. I'm an actor, a writer, and a singer. Some people have described me as a triple threat. But I kind of like to call myself just a threat. <laughs> not to bring up my audition again, because I'm not hung up on it. I still don't know why I didn't get the job. I'm good at a lot of things, like music. Can I get a 180 tempo, something jazzy in the key of D? Hit it! There we go, that feels good. <laughs> Let's take a walk, shall we? I really can do anything. Hey, what's going on, Kyle? Hey, Donald, not much. Ah, hey, hey, let me ask you a question. What did you do for your audition? Uh, a bunch of characters, then I did this uh, skateboarding bit. Oh, you skateboard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I skateboard? I can, I can do that too, you know? No problem, yeah, Mind go for it. it? Yeah, sure, please. Awesome. That's called Nolly. Oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> All right, I'm great. I'll see you later. You sure? I really can do anything. Hey, Keenan, how are you? Hey, good, man. <laughs> so, what did you do for your audition? You have any idea how long ago that was? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, Cecily, Beck, what'd you guys do for your audition? Oh, well, I'm very glad you asked. Um, oh, I do not want to know. Oh. <laughs> obsessed with this audition. I know. He keeps showing us his audition tape, and he won't watch mine. Right. You know what? He keeps bragging that he can play the clarinet. What even is that? Yeah, he thinks being here this week will help him get on SNL. He's hosting SNL. Oh, have I shown you my audition tape? Beth? It's... Did I mention I can also play clarinet? <laughs> It actually went better at my audition. We've got a great show for you tonight. Childish Gambino is here, so stick around. We'll be right back. There it is. Uh, so he did. He came back and he hosted. By the way, that clarinet thing, he vomits through the clarinet, that sound that you hear. And, uh, yeah, Kyle Mooney was one of the people that he stopped uh, that was in there with him, and uh, Keenan Thompson, and then Cecily Strong and Beck Bennett uh, were also talked. But, no, he, uh, he, got, uh, he got rejected by SNL, but went on to bigger and better things. Here's another person who got rejected, Paul Rubens. Yes, that's right, Pee Wee Herman. Um, and uh, he uh, has a theory as to why Gilbert Gottfried got on SNL uh, because they auditioned together in 1980, and he believes that Gottfried was favored because he was friends with one of the producers. So Gilbert Gottfried got the gig instead of Paul Rubens. And by the way, Paul Rubens went in and did multiple characters, not just Pee Wee. And he was so angry, he said to the San Francisco Chronicle, I was so bitter and angry, I thought, um, you better think about doing something to take this to the next level. And that's when Pee-wee's Playhouse came to be. He developed the character, obviously worked with uh, people like uh, Phil Hartman and Jan Hooks and things like that. 
and uh, and he did the Pee Wee Herman character, developed it. It became like a signature a signature thing that he did on stage. And he said, I borrowed some money and I produced the show. So I went from Saturday Night Live reject to having 60 people working for me. So yes, Paul Rubens was in fact rejected by SNL, but obviously the story turned out amazing. And he was inspired by his SNL rejection and by the fact that his friend Gilbert Gottfried got the gig. I talked about Gilbert Gottfried on another episode where um, I, I talked about the people who you could not believe were actually on SNL. And Gilbert Gottfried spent the season on uh, on the show. Uh, and he was so mad that, that uh, Paul Rubens went out of his way to make Pee Wee Herman a success. And boy, was it a success. One of the greatest characters of all time. Uh, you know, the, the, the movies that he made are great. And obviously the TV, sh- the Saturday morning TV show is one of the greatest, uh, you know, works of art of the 20th century. Um, and uh, Pee Wee would, he would host, Paul Rubens would host, but just once and as Pee Wee Herman. So he was Pee Wee Herman. He did not host as himself. And that was on November 23rd, 1985. That was season 11, episode three. And uh, the musical uh, group was the only time they've ever been a part of the musical guest was Queen Ida Zydeco Band. Uh, and that was November of 1985. And that was at the time when Pee Wee Herman was, there was nothing bigger on the planet. The movie had become a smash hit, the first movie, and the TV series was just beginning. Um, and so he, he came back and hosted just once. Okay. Also rejected by SNL next, Stephen Colbert. Yes, Stephen Colbert. And as you probably know, he is the other voice of the ambiguously gay duo, along with Steve Carell. Stephen Colbert, he was Ace of Ace and Gary. He was the voice of uh, of uh, of uh, of Ace of the ambiguously gay duo. And Stephen Colbert actually was uh, rejected a couple of times for both. Uh, he wrote a little bit for it, and then but was rejected. Uh, and one of the weird things that happened was Robert Smigel was uh, was sent here to Chicago because again, uh, Colbert like uh, Carell, um, he he was part of second city here in Chicago. And he actually, uh, he worked with Carell. They were in the same, they were in the same shows together on the main stage along with, uh, Nia Vardalis who, and Ian Gomez who met there and would end up getting married. Uh, and Nia Vardalis, obviously my big fat Greek wedding and Ian Gomez, uh, you know, uh, was also on Felicity and done of other things. Amy Sedaris was part of that group, a really incredibly talented group from the early nineties that were on the main stage at second city. Uh, and an interesting thing, Stephen Colbert, you know, uh, spent a significant amount of time here in Chicago uh, at Second City where he answered phones. He started answering phones in 1987. He had answered phones. Uh, he worked at the bar. He waited tables. He sold merchandise. And I believe he still holds the record for most Second City T-shirts sold by someone. So he was a merch hawker. That guy was he was like Stephen Colbert was like he wanted to make sure that he sold more merch. That, you know, he did as much as he could. He spent as much time at Second City as he possibly could, learning from the people that were on the main stage, getting to know the people, being there as much as he could and soaking it all in. Uh, he was obsessed with being a part of Second City and obsessed with with uh, that whole thing. And he did a great job. And then Smigel was the one who actually um, got to see him uh, perform. But the weird thing was, the story goes uh, that... Um, Smigel had seen me perform at Second City, he said. He was one of the people scouting for SNL. Um, I didn't get hired for SNL at the time. And the weird thing was that um, Smigel was sent to Second City to to see Steve Carell. Now, you know how connected these guys are. Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert are connected through a lot of the work they've done together. uh, And, you know, obviously through The Daily Show. Um, But he was out that night. Carell was out that night, the night that... uh, that Smigel and a couple of the other folks from SNL came in and Colbert was in as his understudy. 
And uh, Smigel says, Colbert completely blew me away. I was like, this guy's the understudy? Holy crap. And uh, so uh, Lorne Michaels was the one who turned him down. Um, and uh, Lorne Michaels obviously regrets turning him down. Uh, he started writing jokes for uh, Conan O'Brien at this point, Colbert. And then he went on, obviously, to a lot of huge success, as we all know. Uh, but Colbert actually talked a little bit about this. He's talked about it a few times on his show and since, you know, um, you know, not making it to the big uh, to the big time. Um, but uh, Tracy Morgan was on his show a little while back and talked about uh, the SNL experience um, with Tracy Morgan. You started, uh, everybody knows you got your big break on SNL. Do you remember your audition? Because I remember your audition. Because <laughs> I was there. You was? Yeah, you and I were both there in the final callback going to network in 1996. I never worked with you. Oh, you didn't get the job. My bad. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't get the job. I'm sorry. Yeah, I forgot that part of the story, I'm Tracy. Sorry. Thanks so much I'm for sorry. reminding me. Well, Lauren Michael's Jewish, and they say every Jewish man is supposed to love one black man in his life. I'm glad he chose me. He didn't love Eddie Murphy? I, I don't know. I wasn't there. But I remember you auditioning. Time. I remember you auditioning, and I thought, well, I'm not going to get this job. I mean, we're too, we're too alike. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing you in the ghetto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, what happened? What did y'all do? The ghetto was writing for Norm MacDonald on the Weekend <laughs> yes. Update. Because oh, that's what yeah. I, I ended up doing that for one month, writing for yeah. Norm. Yeah. Well, you was over there. That was good. Yeah, first one. Those were good times. Those, those days are still more, they're still important to me. Days, my days on Saturday Night Live are still important to me now. Still important so, to me now. It's so funny and amazing to imagine that they were both there to audition. Like Tracy Morgan and Stephen Colbert, like in the same room to audition. It's incredible. Uh, and as I've gone through, you know, uh, reading about this and, and talking about these people who have been rejected, it's incredible the same, uh, the amount of incredibly talented incredibly famous who would go on to do amazing things all in one room nervous about being in that room to audition you know tracy morgan and stephen colbert were in the same room at the same time and now they're comedy legends and it's uh again it's kind of inspiring you know one of the other things about this subject is that it's kind of inspiring to people out there who are struggling to actors and actresses and comedians who are like man i really want to be famous and i would love to do snl um it's possible don't worry about it if you get rejected if you get turned down uh, keep going. That's the message here. But anyway, uh, Stephen Colbert, by the way, has never hosted, which is amazing to me. Um, and I know that there is a petition out there online, and there has been for many years to get Stephen Colbert to host SNL. And I can't believe he hasn't. Um, maybe because he's so closely associated now with CBS, you know, because of his show, that he won't be able to host. Um, but uh, I would love to see him come back. But again, he is ace uh, of the ambiguously gay duo. So he is obviously closely associated with SNL, but never hosted. All right, next, Aubrey Plaza. Um, And this story came to light not too long ago because she hosted this past season. She just hosted this season, and it was her first time hosting. She hosted once, and it was on January 21st of uh, 2023. Season 48, episode 10, Sam Smith was the musical guest where Sharon Stone made an impossibly weird cameo uh, in the second musical performance by Sam Smith. Um, And it was a a pretty good episode. The update was strong, and, and, you know, uh, Amy Poehler made an appearance. and uh, and uh, she came back as, you know, she came back as Leslie Nope and April uh, Ludgate, played by uh, Aubrey Plaza. They made an appearance together on Update, and it was a terrific show. She did it. She did. I mean, it was. It was. I'm sorry. It was a good show, not a great show. But Aubrey Plaza did a terrific job. Um, a year before she got the part for Parks and Rec, she was passed over uh, for SNL. 
For which, by the way, for uh, for NBC, she was a page for a little while, and she was an intern on SNL, um, and was obsessed with SNL, and obviously was a, was was you know incredibly you know talented. She took a lot of improv classes, as most of the people you know on this list have, and she moved to New York with the sole intent of consider you know continuing to do improv, being a part of an improv group, and getting on SNL. Well, it didn't happen, even though she was a page at NBC for a little while and was working on SNL as an intern in the costume department and in the uh, in the props department and was a part of that whole process for a full season. So she thought she was in. She had experience working behind the scenes on the show as an intern, was also very funny and doing improv. And yet she did not make the cut. Uh, she was recently on Jimmy Fallon's show, and I know it's hard to listen to Jimmy Fallon uh, on his on his talk show. He was great on SNL. I've said this before. Jimmy Fallon, fantastic on SNL, terrible on The Tonight Show. But anyway, uh, she was recently on uh, Jimmy Fallon to talk about her experience as an intern on SNL and to talk about how excited she was to be a host. So this was a couple of weeks before she hosted just this past January. Well, you were there, weren't there when I was there, though, right? I was there 2004, 2005. Oh, that's when I left. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I replaced you, Jimmy. Oh, that's right. They congratulated. They, had they to picked perfectly. Get the energy. Who was shift. on the cast? Did you uh, did you get to talk to the cast at all? I didn't really talk to the cast because I was I was in you know I was an intern. I was like kind of stalking, lurking in the shadows. But you studied the whole thing. You go, oh, this is. I great. studied like a sponge. I was just like creepy. Like I was a creepy stalker. Like <laughs> now I'm gonna host it, so my master plan worked. <laughs> oh my um, god. But you actually got to audition also for Saturday Night Live. I did. I I I didn't do like I didn't make it to the um to the bit like to the Lorne audition, you know, the, okay. the famous final audition. But I did like a preliminary like first round showcase at UCB. Did you do like, characters? Did you like original characters? I did. I did some characters. Do you remember um, any of them? I remember one character I did was like a kind of like a Puerto Rican uh, like uh, news reporter that but that was always trying to like make all of the news stories like sexy even if they were like horrific news stories <laughs> um, and I was just trying to like sex up the news or something I don't remember <laughs> and then the other one was I was like a pill popping like housewife that had my own talk show called Celebrity Tales where I would just name celebrities and name what kind of tale they would have if they were if they had a tale like um like I would say, like Lindsay Lohan would have like a bushy squirrel's tail. <laughs> or like Bill Clinton would have like a polar bear's nub. <laughs> or like Oprah Winfrey would oh my have gosh. a dragon. It's just stuff like that. Anyway, I didn't get on the show. So. No, but here you are. I- yeah. Um Aubrey Plaza, so funny. Um, and she did. Just She hosted that uh, one time just this past January. And obviously we know how incredibly talented and incredibly weird an incredibly lovely Aubrey Plaza is, who is having a moment uh, these past few years, I mean, with White Lotus and so many other great things. Uh, but yes, rejected by SNL, Aubrey Plaza. Next rejected by SNL, Zach Galifianakis. Now, Zach Galifianakis, um, he auditioned a few times. He auditioned in 1999 and uh, a couple of other times. He did get hired as a part-time writer, which in and of itself is a pretty crazy story. Um, but Zach Galifianakis... Um, you know, uh, auditioned a couple of times, and uh, here's a quick joke. Here's a quick joke from J- uh, Zach Galifianakis's uh, audition tape. This is like one of the first jokes he told, and this is a long time ago. I think this was in 1999. Yeah, this was 1999, and he he's beardless. By the way, it's really weird to see pictures or footage or video of Zach Galifianakis without the beard. 
And it's weird. I mean, you know that. I'm like, if, if you know someone who has had a big beard or facial hair forever and never shaved, it's really weird to, to, to see somebody without that. And at first it took me like when I saw this video, I was like, wait a minute, is that, that, that's not Zach Galifianakis. And then you got to look at him very closely and study it and go, oh, my God, that's Zach Galifianakis, but without the beard. He's one of those people that looks insanely weird without the beard because we're so he's so closely associated with the facial hair. Uh, but anyway, this is one joke from his audition. And, and I think it's kind of weird and kind of well, it's a Zach Galifianakis joke. But here's one of his jokes from his audition tape. I have a new headshot. It's a scratch and sniff and it smells like failure and onions. Uh, yeah, so that <laughs> one more time. I want to hear that one more time. This is actually, you know, a joke that he told, you know, at his audition. I'm sorry. I have a new headshot. It's a scratch and sniff, and it smells like failure and onions. Yeah, I see. Now that you know, if you don't know who this guy is, you know, you're like, what is that? What? But that's the kind of stuff that Zach Galifianakis did in his uh, audition. He would be the first to tell you how weird it was. He auditioned a couple of times, but he did, you know, essentially get a gig as a part-time writer. Um, and uh, he tells this amazing story about how that didn't work out. Um, and he was uh, with Sam Jones on a show called The Off-Camera Show, talking about the one, one of the sketches that bombed that he pitched and actually became part of the, uh, of the first read-through at the table read. Uh, but this is a story that Zach Galvanakis tells about his time as very, very short, limited time as kind of a part-time writer in SNL. Um, I lasted three weeks. And then I read that you lasted at Saturday Night Live for two weeks. Yes. Is that even possible? Like, is that, is that well, the truth of that story? No. So I think what they do, and I don't know exactly if I have this right, but I think what they do is they, they hire writers sometimes on a trial basis. Right. Saying, come for two weeks. We really like you. We'll keep you, I guess. I don't know. I was being hired because I thought I was uh, going to be a cast member because I'd already auditioned once or twice. So they don't tell you when they... My agent at the time probably just had some bad information. I don't know, but I got there and I was like, God, I cannot believe I am going to be uh, on this show. And Maya Rudolph and I got hired at the same time. And was that sort of a dream at that point? You'd been doing stand-up at... In New York and Sam, I'm embarrassed to say I, yeah, it was that was I'm not embarrassed to say that was a dream. But Saturday Night Live, that was a big deal for me. Do you really. remember what you did for your audition? I think I did a two. I did a really bad stand-up uh, from the 1700s <laughs> that I used to do on stage. So I would just do like, um, "How are ye? How are ye? <laughs> is this thing on? What is this thing?" Like, and then I would complain. <laughs> complain about electricity it was just really so I think that's I think that was my I think that was my audition and then just regular stand-up but anyway I didn't get it uh well I thought I got it but I got to New York and I realized quickly I was writing and you know you try to figure out how to fit in and but it's impossible it's very clickish as it should be that's how Business, like you're the new person, it's kind of up to. Hopefully, there's somebody at the water cooler that says, "Hey, man, how can I help you? You, you having you having a hard time finding your way?" It, that didn't happen. Sorry, I, I don't think I would go up you to a young person, person and go, "Hey, maybe I would now, maybe." But I will say this: Tina Fey, God bless her. God, I'll never forget this. After I they read my sketches and said at the table read, you know, there's 70 people there. To say it was silent. Like it was like I heard. I remember like it was so silent. I remember hearing the AC, like it shut down during the middle of the sketch. One you had written. 
written, cast members are reading it out loud. And I remember what it was. What was it? It was a sketch that Britney, I was, Britney Spears was the hostess, and I had written a sketch that Will Ferrell was going to be the bodyguard to her belly button, because her <laughs> belly button was everywhere. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Anyway, there was no response. I mean, and I just remember Tina, who I was sitting next to, I just remember her putting her hand on my shoulder like, it didn't feel sarcastic. It could have been, but in my mind, it was her going, it's okay. I mean, obviously, human beings don't like when they say something and people are like, what? It's just a really bad feeling. Yes. It's just like, it, uh, fake it, other human beings, to make that person not feel bad. Right. But I will say, I think since I had done a number of years of stand-up already, I, that skin was developed. It bombed me out, don't get me wrong. But if I had not bombed so many times on stage already, uh, sometimes you're just not funny. And maybe that sketch wasn't funny. Do you feel that way sometimes? There have been nights where I'm driving home and I'm like, Zach, I mean, what were you doing? So, uh, great story. Uh, behind the scenes is a story about how he wrote a sketch about <laughs> Britney Spears' belly button back in 2000 uh, or 2001 when she hosted. One of the first times she, uh, she hosted. Uh, so, Zach Galifianakis uh, would go on to host three times. He hosted uh, SNL three times, March 6, 2010. Season 35, episode 16, Vampire Weekend, was a musical guest. He hosted on March 12th, um, 2011, about a year later almost exactly. Uh, season 36, episode 17, Jesse J was your musical guest. And then he hosted on May 4th, 2013, season 38, episode uh, 19, where Of Monsters and Men were the guests. And by the way, um, the episode that he hosted in 2011 features the bidet sketch. If you've never seen, <laughs> if you've never seen the bidet sketch, uh, I'm sorry. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was 2011. Uh, if you've never seen the bidet sketch, uh, do yourself a favor. Just Google Zach Galifianakis SNL. It's Kristen Wiig and him talking to Andy Samberg about uh, this room that they're staying in and the strength and the uh, functionality of a uh, bidet. One of my favorite sketches of all time. So anyway, and I believe I'm actually going to be doing an entire episode dedicated to the bidet sketch, which is one of my favorite sketches of all time. Again, a 1250 sketch. But Zach Galifianakis would obviously go on to uh, many great things, including baskets. If we want to go back to the incredible work that FX does uh, as a network, we talked a little bit earlier. I talked a little bit earlier about Atlanta, the Donald Glover show, and Zach Galifianakis did an extraordinarily brilliant show called Baskets and obviously went on to make movies and be very successful. So he did fine. Next is David Cross. David Cross, who worked with Bob Odenkirk, who famously was uh, part of SNL for a few years and uh, Second City. Um, and, uh, you know, spent a lot of time here and he and David Cross, obviously, uh, would go on to become very successful with one of the most influential and one of the craziest and one of the best sketch comedy shows of all time, Mr. Show, David Cross and, uh, and, and Bob Odenkirk. And obviously they would go on to, you know, a huge success on their own, especially Bob Odenkirk, who, you know, would nominated for many, many, uh, awards and Emmys for his work on television and Better Call Saul and all that kind of stuff. And David Cross is, an alternative comedy hero. I know that sounds like a shitty thing to say, but he really is. Um, and he did not get on SNL. Although, you know, it wasn't like he's, this is one of those stories in the rejected by SNL files, famous people rejected by SNL files, 
where the person who got rejected was like, I, he, it wasn't really like a thing he was really, really hoping for and really working his ass off to do. It just kind of happened. The audition kind of happened and it bombed. It's an interesting story. It wasn't really even like a single one-on-one audition. He didn't make it to the Lorne level. And that's the thing about some of these people, as you've heard, some of these people who rejected didn't even get rejected by Lorne or Lorne maybe rejected them, but is, you know, uh, blaming other people, <laughs> shifting the blame to somebody else. But a lot of the people just get on the first level where someone comes out to see them, a scout comes out to see them. Um, he had moved to Boston. David Cross moved to Boston. and became the leader of a collective known as Cross Comedy. Um, and he doesn't take too much credit for it. Uh, Mark Marin was also in that, and he, he was half the idea. We'll get to Mark Marin on a different episode of Rejected by SNL. Another guy, Mark Marin, who was rejected. We'll do that in the next episode. Um, and um, a guy from Catch a Rising Star in Cambridge, Massachusetts, came up with the idea to call it Cross Comedy. And it was him and a whole bunch of his comedian friends playing elaborate jokes on the audience. So it was like H. John Benjamin, Sam Cedar, uh, John Ennis, and a few of them. And they were active participants as audience plants. So the audience had no idea what was going on. And again, you know, these were just guys. They weren't famous or anything. David Cross wasn't famous at this point. Mark Maron and all these other guys who would go on to be pretty famous behind the scenes and, you know, on stage. But they would do like in-your-face confrontational weird comedy that the audience didn't know what was real and what wasn't. There were plants in the audience and all kinds of stuff. Uh, and they would do like things where they would bring somebody up from the audience who was a, the funniest dentist in the city, and it was one of their buddies who was acting like a famous dentist. And it would, you know, they would cross the line into what was acceptable and what wasn't. It made the audience uncomfortable. And that was how they pushed it. It was like anti-comedy. And you can tell by the kind of stand-up that David Cross does, that by the kind of stuff that he writes, and the kind of stuff that Odenkirk and he did on Mr. Show. It was very uh, confrontational, sort of like punk rock comedy that was influenced by guys like Michael O'Donohue, who I talked about on the last episode. Um, and so what happened was, uh, you know, at the time he said that we would do this, we would have Oscar parties live and we would make fun of it. And people didn't know what was real and what wasn't. And he loved doing it. He didn't get paid shit. He didn't make any money doing this, but he loved it. Um, he would grab a prop bat from the wall from behind the bar and like hit, hit somebody with it. And people didn't know what was happening. Someone got drunk in the audience, but it was a plant. So it was this, you never knew what was going to happen when you went to see uh, cross comedy. Um, and so... They came out to see it uh, in New York. There was a, um, they went to New York for a trip, uh, and it was a showcase for SNL. And they went to see, they were at Caroline's, and some of the folks from SNL, the writers and one of the producers from SNL, came out to see them, and it bombed. I totally bombed. And David Cross tells the story about how that kind of humor at that time didn't really work. There was like weird misogynist uh, humor that was really big at the time that they made fun of. Because early on in there, you know, at the time, uh, Andrew Dice Clay was like really huge at the time. Um, and they did stuff like, you know, uh, you know, like they, they would do weird things on stage where they would break things on stage. It was just very, very strange. Uh, and SNL did not get it. When they came to Caroline's in New York to see the showcase, Cross Comedy bombed. So David Cross did not get on. And he's never hosted. There's a guy that I think should, should host, uh, David Cross. Uh, but he is, he's not the most famous guy on this, on this list. He's one of the people that did not go on to make billions of dollars and change television and change movies or anything like that. He is an incredibly creative, influential, brilliantly funny, and brilliant mind of comedy, but never really made the kind of uh, money or made the impact, you know, in the world of film or television that some of these other people did. But David Cross got rejected, bombed hard, by the way. One of the worst uh, sort of auditions or showcases ever according to SNL people, and according to David Cross, he bombed hard. 
Next, Lisa Kudrow. Lisa Kudrow, obviously from uh, Friends, um, auditioned. And uh, she, uh, she auditioned uh, in, uh, uh, in 1994, or no, 91. She auditioned in 1991, sorry, 1991. And uh, they came out to see her, Julia Sweeney, and Kathy Griffin. Uh, and they were all part of the Groundlings at that time. And they really came out to see Julia Sweeney. I mean, the whole thing was that they really came out to see Julia Sweeney. And, you know, Lisa Kudrow knew that they were there and she was excited about it. And of course, she wanted to be on SNL. And she didn't make the cut. Julia Sweeney did. It said, Julia and I were talking on the phone about it even before they came. Um, and um, that the show that night, it got to me. Uh, this is what Lisa Kudrow said. She says, I was unnerved. I was not ready. And I was disappointed that I did not get it. But it was another sign that I was just not cut out for it. And that feeling lasted for a little bit. I was very sad about it, but I did not do very well. And she also was pretty sure that the main reason they came out was to see Julia Sweeney. And uh, she talked about this. Lisa Kudrow talked about this um, on, a, on, a, on a talk show and talked about her work with the Groundlings. And then obviously she would go on a few years later to get friends. But this is Lisa Kudrow telling her story about her failed audition where they hired Julia Sweeney and they didn't hire her. I whenever Julia Sweeney, you know, got on, that was that same audition thing. Um, yeah, because Lorraine Newman had said, listen, I'm talking to Lauren Miles, Michaels about you and he, you, you know, because you should be on that show. I mean, you do great characters and you should be on that show. And so, you know, what I understood was Lauren Michaels was coming to the Groundlings to watch me and Julia, and then I guess also Kathy Griffin, you know. Um, I think it was mostly watching Julia, there to see Julia, though, you know. Um, and, yeah, so, you know. But no, of course he picked Julia, <laughs> not me. You know, the thing about my characters, you know, that I did at the Groundlings is, um, they weren't the big crowd pleasers, they really weren't. It, the stuff I was doing was just a little more, um, it wasn't as broad. I don't mean like Julia's was so broad, but you know, I didn't know how to go like too far outside of myself or, you know, I liked, oh my gosh, I don't know. I mean, I think I even did that biology professor, you know, but that's not like a big Saturday Night Live character, you know? Um, I think I did this other one, your favorite actress on a talk show. That was just me making fun of, you know, actresses on talk shows and actors who are really phony, you know, like they're to talk about their, you know, this cause that they're really impassioned about. And um, it's, you know, stuff that's obvious, you know, like let's everybody, let's as a favor to me, let's save the planet, you know, um, <laughs> as if they wield so much power and I wanted to make fun of that but that doesn't make it a Saturday Night Live sketch either you know so yeah I mean of course <laughs> yeah but then six years later you're hosting right because of friends and uh yeah I don't think I was a great host either I remember Anna Gasteyer who you know was in Groundlings um wanted to do this one sketch and I thought oh it's too low-key for Saturday Night Live mm-mm it was like the FM DJ that then she went on to do forever. I was like, oh, well, I don't know. I can't pull that off, I don't think. <laughs> I just, I have no clue. 
like what works and what doesn't. At least I was smart enough to just say to Lauren Michaels, like, well, you're going to pick all the sketches. You've been doing this forever. So, you know, it's sweet of you to say that I can weigh in. <laughs> but, you know. So there's uh, Lisa Kudrow, who I love, by the way. I, I, and I've famously talked about this on my other podcast, the Nick D podcast and, and, uh, and elsewhere. I, have, I, I, I never understood Friends. I could never get past five minutes of watching that show. I just hated it, and I would always turn it off. I've only seen one full episode of Friends, and that's because I was stuck on a plane uh, on the tarmac at LaGuardia in New York waiting for a gate. Because, you know, LaGuardia, such a great airport. Um, but we were stuck in the plane, and we had nowhere to go, so one of the flight attendants popped in a videotape of Friends. And that's the only time I've ever seen an entire episode of Friends. I don't remember what episode it was, but it, and it was because I couldn't get off the plane. So I hated Friends, but I always liked her. Like, anytime I would watch it, I'd be like, well, I like her. I don't like anybody else on this show, but I like her. And I loved her in movies, and I loved her, you know, uh, in the comeback and so many of the other things that she's done. I think Lisa, Lisa Kudrow is incredibly talented and very funny. And I think she's right. I don't know if she was cut out for the kind of stuff and shtick and things that you would do on SNL, despite the fact that she's enormously talented. And again, as mentioned, she would go on to host one time. She hosted October 5th, 1996, season 22, episode two with Cheryl Crow. And she also made a cameo when uh, David Schwimmer hosted in October of 1995 during his monologue. But Lisa Kudrow, again, would go on to, obviously, she never has to work again a day in her life because she nailed Friends. But uh, very funny a woman started out in the groundlings, but just was not cut out for SNL. And she was the first to admit it. The last one that we're going to talk about here, number 10 on the list of this list of rejected by SNL uh, talent is someone, again, who is having a huge minute, who is having an unbelievable time right now. Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge auditioned uh, a couple of times and she did not uh, get picked. She's obviously known for a lot of the movies that she did, including American Pie and Legally Blonde, and she is a Christopher Guest ensemble member uh, from his movies. Uh, and she had some serious competition when she auditioned for SNL alongside Will Ferrell, Sherry O'Terry, uh, and Chris Kattan. Uh, and this was, she auditioned in 1995, and uh, she said uh, to the Los Angeles Times, they chose Will and Sherry and not Chris and I, and then six months later, they called up Chris, and he got the gig, and I was the only one rejected. But she says, I was spared a bullet because I think of all the demons that were happening and playing politics, and I couldn't do that at that time. Uh, the good thing was that I might have become anorexic, and I didn't want to do it, and I probably would have self-destructed on SNL. So she looks back, and it's weird, though. Like I mean, Sherry O'Terry, Chris Kattan, and Will Ferrell all became legends on that specific era. Uh, of uh, of SNL. Uh, and then Jennifer Coolidge would obviously go on to do uh, a bunch of stuff. It took her a while. She was the masseuse on uh, on Seinfeld uh, many, many, many years ago, and then would go on to huge success. And this, you know, these past couple of years with the awards that she's been getting for the White Lotus and some of the other things. Um, she was imitated just recently in the Christmas show uh, of this season with, by Chloe Fineman. Uh, and she did uh, make a tweet out about that and was very excited to see that she was imitated on SNL. And she wrote, wow, a massive thanks to Saturday Night Live to the exceptionally brilliant impressionist Chloe Fineman with your hilarious imitation. Also, congrats to the new cast members. I know how hard it is to get on that show. I tried my ass off to be uh, to be on it, but uh, you actually made it. What a feat. Happy holidays to you all. So she talks about how she worked her ass off to get on the show and she never did. She, uh, she, she, um, 
She auditioned a few times and it never made it. And uh, at this moment, people are looking at it and going, oh, my God, maybe she should have been on it. She was really funny in all those movies. And she's obviously a character and can do great character work, as she proved in the uh, Christopher uh, Guest movies. But I will. she's never hosted. To close this out, she has never hosted. Um, but I guarantee you she will. And I wouldn't be surprised if she's a host before the end of this season, before the end of uh, uh, season 48 this year. Uh, we've got about uh, two months left uh, before the end of uh, this current season. And I'm telling you, I think before the end of the season, Jennifer Coolidge is going to be a host. So up, in th- up at this point, at this point of recording, she is not hosted. So there you go. So those are 10 of incredible people, 10 of the incredible people who were rejected by SNL. And there are a lot more. And I'm going to be hosting part two of this at some point down the line um, here on uh, That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. But just a reminder, Jim Carrey, Steve Carell, Donald Glover, Paul Rubens, Stephen Colbert, Aubrey Plaza, Zach Galifianakis, David Cross, Lisa Kudrow, and Jennifer Coolidge. They were all rejected by SNL. Uh, so I guess that's the, the message is don't be discouraged if you're out there. And to close it out, these are Lauren's thoughts. Stephen Colbert and, uh, you know, Steve Carell auditioned. And there were lots of people who you would see how brilliant they were. This is uh, Lauren Michaels talking. But you knew on some level that it wasn't going to work. Lisa, Kedro, Lisa Kudrow, as we just mentioned, gave a brilliant audition. But it was at a time when Jan Hooks and Nora Dunn were uh, on the show. Um, I wasn't at the Jim Carrey audition, but somebody uh, who was there said, I don't think Lauren would like it. And they're probably wrong, no matter what they say, or maybe they were right. Who knows? No one gets it right. So Lauren Michaels, uh, <laughs> his thoughts are, who knows? No one gets it right. And he also has the, you know, the, the, the habit of blaming other people for not hiring incredibly talented people. So lots of amazing people came through the doors of SNL and never got the gig. This was part one, and there are many, many more. So anyway, thought I'd have a lot of fun here talking about incredibly talented people who didn't get the gig. Um, and uh, so there you go. That's Rejected by SNL Part 1. My thanks to uh, Jason Skaggs for the opening and closing themes. My thanks to you for subscribing and listening. Please uh, leave your feedback, 773-417-6948, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. And my thanks to you for checking out That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, and we'll see you next time. Good night, and have a pleasant tomorrow. <laughs>